Welcome to the Leadership Upside Podcast with Chuck Carringer, where we discuss what successful leaders are doing, saying, and thinking. Welcome to the Leadership Upside Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Carringer. Our guest today is Paul Moody. Paul is the owner of Smash Food Truck. Paul, welcome to Leadership Upside. Thank you, man. Thank you for having us, sir. Paul, this is going to be a fun conversation. You are an entrepreneur with a background in the restaurant industry. Can you share with us how your current venture, Smash Food Truck, came to be? Okay, so Smash Food Truck is actually a, it's strange to say, a side project of the food hall location that we're doing. So it really came to be because we uh, are moving into food halls with different different ideas and different concepts and things. And in, in a lot of food halls, there are licenses and not leases. So the actual landlord owns all the property, they own all the equipment, they own everything. And in order to, and, and I know we'll get into this a little bit later, but in order to attract investors, I had to give up the food truck. Um, you know, it was formerly a, a, another food truck, which we have a concept on deck for later. But, um, you, you know, it, it became such a simple menu that it was going to be very easy to transfer into the truck and be able to make it a mobile unit. All right, Paul, let's, let's unpack that for a minute. So, <laughs> so um, you know, I've heard other people rave about a, a smash burger that right. uh, they, they, they got from you. Uh, okay. Is the smash food truck no longer in existence as you no. transition, or is it still in existence? No, smash food truck is totally in existence. Okay. Our former food truck, we converted into smash food truck in order to, it became part of the whole piece of the pie for investors. Um, okay. Because, because if, if something didn't, we never look at it this way. It's not going to go down a bad road, but let's say it goes down a bad road. Well, investors can't recoup any assets because of the license and not the lease. Got it. Got it. And I want to come back to the uh, entire food hall concept. And when I hear that, I, I, first of all, is food hall a specific place or is food hall a description of a type of venue or both? So it's, a, it's a description of a type of venue, but it's also uh, a place. So where we're going with Knoxville is Marble City Market Food Hall. Now in other towns and other areas and other cities, there are different food halls as well as multiple food halls in larger metropolitan areas. And, you know, it's, it's hard to describe it this way, but it's the easiest for people to understand. Think of a food court with chef-driven food. Got so it. it's high quality, it's chef-driven, it's good, you know, and, and I'm not saying anything's bad about a food court before we say that. I, I'm just saying they're very unique in what they offer. And, you know, just take our burger, for instance, the amount of detail we go into each and every single ingredient, you're not going to get that in a fast food restaurant. So we're more fast casual, more casual pace. However, it is high quality ingredients. So um, as we're recording this, it's, you know, shortly uh, after what should be lunch, which I've not had yet today. And so as you were beginning to describe how you go about creating the smash burger, I could feel my mouth beginning to water. And so uh, just the thought of anyone right now uh, sounds very appealing. Paul, walk us backwards a little bit. You obviously um, 
have a background in the uh, restaurant industry, the the food industry, if you will. And now you've got a concept that is super cool and is and as we'll talk about is really uh, on a great trajectory and a lot of momentum. How did yep. you get to this spot? Give us some background into you. So, so some background into me and, and, you know, you see it a lot of times when people all of a sudden have success, there's never the, all of a sudden it's the, all the work in, in, you know, behind the scenes that nobody sees. Okay. That's probably the biggest thing. Um, you know, I've told the story hundreds of times and I've loved telling it over and over again. Um, when I was a child, I wanted a car. I, when I was 16, I wanted a car. And I thought that my father should buy me a car. <laughs> he thought that I should go and earn that car. <laughs> so uh, he said, you know, there's a Sonic down the road. It's a block away. Go get a job. I loved that car, by the way. I absolutely love that car that I earned. Uh, and then from there, I, you know, a couple of other pit stops. And then I ended up at uh, a place called Blackberry Farms, uh, the end of Blackberry Farms for quite a while. And then ended up in New York City training, and then I worked for a very large corporation, um, just you know, an upper management as well as the, I was a corporate chef. And you know, to where I am now, I, you hear this a lot in the restaurant business, uh, and I hear it a lot in uh, just everyday work aspects. You get burned out, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's because you get burned out on not on the food, but all the other stuff that goes along with it. Uh, and I am somebody who I have very, I have a lot of mentors and a lot of former supervisors that would say this, you are great to work for. <laughs> You're horrible as an employee. <laughs> uh, and it's because I always had my own ideas and I knew my path and I, and, and I just believe wholeheartedly that my path was the best path. So I would go down that road um, sometimes, you know, in my younger days, regardless of the consequence. I knew like, I mean, I knew I was going to have a conversation with my supervisor about how that might have been not been the best path to take or what path they would take. However, strangely enough, about three, four months later, everybody's taking this path. So, uh, you know, it, it, I never did anything maliciously or with ill intent. I just 100% believed in myself and I went. Um, but I, you know, food truck world, you know, which I've been doing for the last, what, five-ish years, four or five years. Um, I really just got tired of working for somebody else mm -hmm. and I, it was a low cost of entry. And, you, you know, that's a good thing and a bad thing all at the same time. Um, low cost of entry because anybody can get into it. <laughs> well, not everybody should get into it. <laughs> But low cost of entry and somebody that doesn't have the ability to secure a lot of capital, uh, maybe gather the right investors, um, you know, banks don't go for food trucks. And I'll, and I'll just tell you that right now. It's a it's an auto loan and a business loan. And those two things together don't always mesh. Um, but where we are now uh, is, um, you know, we had Lanai and uh, we had somebody approach us about Lanai wanting it to go into the food hall model. Um you know, fortunately and unfortunately, we already had a concept. Uh, we already have that concept uh, in a lease and it's secure. And my word is my bond. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Um, they, you know, they haven't delivered on time, but that doesn't mean that I can't keep my promise, which is I am dedicated to you. I'm, until, until 
God tells me not to go down that path, I'm going to go down that path and I'm going to keep my promise. And what it's led to is smash. So they asked, do you have any other concepts on deck? And I said, what concept do you need? (laughs) That was my exact response. And he said, man, I need a good burger and chicken sandwich guy. And I'm like, I can do burgers and chicken sandwiches. Like, like nobody's business. This is what I make at <laughs> home. This is what I make for friends. Like everybody's like, you have the best burger, blah, blah, blah. And I'll even put it out there. Like, I think we have the best. Right. And if you don't bring it and I'm good with it, like, and if yours is better than mine, I'll admit to it, but I'm going to, I'm going to meet that challenge real quick. But I hung up the phone and my wife, Ashley was, she was on um, a gentleman named Oktar, who's the CEO of this group. And then we hang up the phone and Ashley looks at me and she says, so we have a burger concept now that I didn't know about. And I was like, I guess so. And we quickly, you know, we have people in our lives that are, are fortunately way better at things than we are in places that we're not. So branding and marketing and, you know, I can put a menu together. I can operate. Ashley can do social media marketing. She can, you know, photography, all that. And then, you know, who we have in place, let's get them together. Um, and it, and it just launched. And then we've just impressed this hospitality group so much. They've asked us to go to other locations. So, so Paul, walk us through a little bit more of concept and, and I, and, you know, it's such a cool thing uh, to hear the backstory sometimes of how something that is just, you know, become a really hot and cool idea and and it's it's working in a in a business sense yeah it's it's cool to hear sometimes how those those things came to be it's like oh we've got a burger and uh concept now yes we do it's um how do you move in your experience from concept to reality well from concept to reality is is several steps uh one you have to make you know I never say do something for money. Money is about 13th on the list of our measurables. But if you hit those first 12, you're going to make money, right? And it, also at the same time, if if you don't get paid to do something, it's called a hobby. So like, <laughs> like indeed like it those is. Are, those, are, those are the two things, you know? Um, you know, for instance, I, I am wanting to learn how to fly a plane. I will never get paid to fly a plane. That is a hobby. But... I get paid to cook. Well, and, and more I get paid to operate than I do cook. The higher up I go, the actually the less I cook. Um, but from concept to reality is several steps. Um, first is the idea. You know, once that, once that idea is planted in your head, how do you make it happen? From there, it's how do you make it, how are you fiscally responsible? How can you make the cost low? And then from there, how do you gather the people to do it? Because you can't do anything on your own. Um, you know, self-awareness is a big deal. Uh, self-awareness. Uh, and you've got to gather people around you that are that are wonderful in positions of being number two or number three or number four or, hey, I'm a good brander or, hey, I'm a good manager. But you know what? I'm never going to be an entrepreneur. And I'm OK with that because everybody's definition of happy is different. And you've just got to be able to interview and talk to people and figure out what that is. For me, I can't, I can't breathe unless I'm doing something on my own. I, I don't know what it's like to work. I, I know what it's like to work for other people and I was great at doing it, but I inherently just want to work for myself. 
if, if I don't earn it and, and, you know, I want the reward as much as the risk. If I lose it all, it's my fault and I'm okay with it, but you've got to be willing to say it's my fault and I'm okay with losing it all. If you're taking all the cookie. So like you can't have both you or can't have one or the other. You got to have both of them, but you also have to be under understand and be humble enough to know that you can't do it. You can't do it all. There's no way in the world you can do it all. You know, we have a great CPA and a great bookkeeper and awesome attorneys and, you know, all these people we've gathered for our, our team and put around us that man, I've, I've read legal documents and called my attorney and been like, Hey, I don't know what this word means, (laughs) please. And I'm tired of Googling every other word. (laughs) Can you just tell me what it means and let's go, you know, but like, you know, you've got to have a good tax person, especially in a business this big to be like, Hey, you're not going to jail for not paying your taxes. Those are real, you know, and obviously you wouldn't go to jail, but I'm, I mean, you know, like those are, that would be the extreme, but, but you've got to trust them as well. And, and, you know, but concept to reality and back to it. So gathering the, you know, coming up with the idea, gathering the team, making sure it fits in everything you want to do, and then understanding that there's going to be bad times. Are you still going to love it in the tough? You know, I, I equate business to marriage a whole lot, right? I always love my wife and my wife always loves me. Sometimes she don't like me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and the love's got to be more than the like. You know, and in in are you willing to stick it through before you commit to it? And you know, and those are just patient and timely talks and making sure that it's the right decision to do. Now with Marble City Market Food Hall, we knew we wanted this opportunity. We knew we wanted in on it. There was no doubt, let's just make it happen, kind of thing. So we said yes to the opportunity, but not necessarily yes to the concept. So moving in that direction was, was the importance there from Smashburger's concept. We've really got our finger on the pulse of what is hot in food right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smashburgers have been hot since 1930s. They used to be called Wisconsin shack burgers. They're called Ohio, like something like there's other names for them in different States and different towns. They're all smash burgers. They're all smash burgers, but to really get to the core of it, it actually fought with my fine dining background where I need 26 steps and everything and all that. It is the most simple thing ever. It is a sauce. It is onions. It is cheese. It is meat. It is pickles and it's a bun and that's it. But you got to do all of them. Perfect. And that's, mm, that's, cool. that's where we're at with it. Sorry. I, uh, I get, I get super passionate about food. So uh, no, I love it. Uh, Paul, if you would, um, give us as much insight as possible into the tipping point from going from one um, food truck uh, smash to now the the uh, Marble Hall. Marble uh, City Market Food Hall. Marble yeah. City um, Food Hall and potentially beyond. Um, what's the yes. tipping point? That for someone who's listening and and they have a concept, maybe they have a business, and and mm-hmm. I'd love for them to hear in your particular situation. Hey, what was the moment or 
the door that opened, what was the tipping point that led you to this next venture? So, so what led to the next venture was actually the, the need and the desire to expand. My time has gotten to, I, I don't have enough time. So when you open something larger, you're actually able to hire more people to give yourself more time. Uh, you're allowed to, you, you allow yourself to give others opportunity and trust to be able to grow. Um, so it's a little different with Smash. So we can approach, we can approach Smash as a food truck moving to a food hall. Or we can approach Smash exactly how it is, which was a food hall all the way, but the truck just came alongside of it. Um, so because I can go both ways because I see it. So let's just approach it as it's just the truck. So currently we can't keep up with demand. We just don't, we can't, like, there's just not a possibility. We work in 83 square feet of hot and <laughs> there's only so much refrigeration. Like, I mean, that's really what it is. We can carry roughly 120 orders. That's a good day. That's a really good day. But when you're going out of it so fast, you, you can't just keep up. The food hall location, we looked at that because we looked at the trend in uh, restaurants or food service. So um, if you look at any food trend, it's got about a 50 year bell curve on it. Okay. And, and I will take any arguments on this and I love it because I have the perfect rebuttal for the argument. So food trucks, anybody listening and wanting to get in, if you're looking to do it for 25, 30 years, it's a bad investment. And, I, and I'm just going to say, it. if you're looking to do it for 10 to 15 years, you're in the good spot. OK, because food trucks on the high end, like higher end food trucks are at about year 32, 30, 32 of the 50 year bell curve. So they're actually on the way down. Now, they're not going to end tomorrow. They're not going to be destroyed tomorrow. They're still going to be around those things. They're just not going to be as insanely popular as they have been in the last 10 years, because at the last 10 years, it's the height of the trend. Right. Food halls which is about the same cost of entry as a food truck are at a year at about year. I think they're about year seven, eight right now. So if you're looking for something that's 40 years, that's a good career. You want to get into it. You want to last it. Or even if it's something you want for 20 years and to sell it off and to, you know, whatever the food halls are more the way to go right now. I'm not saying don't go into a food truck because food trucks are great on low cost of entry. You set your own hours, um, you know, I mean, like you can go on vacation whenever you want to, because you can just say, Hey, we're closed this week and you're good. And like, and that's commonly accepted amongst all guests. Hey, you know what? They're just taking the week off, right? Restaurants can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that in a restaurant. If you close down in a restaurant, you're, if you're just like, Hey, we're going to close for these two weeks because we want to go on a two week vacation to Europe or whatever it is, it's not really going to fly. Now, on the flip side, it's staffed more. So, you know, both ways there. Um, food truck. Uh, but the tipping point is what's the amount of volume that you can do? Mm. And is it worth it? That's the other thing is, is it worth it? Because you're looking at a profit margin that's probably, it's about double in a truck than it is a food hall. Okay. And food halls are about double that, that they are in restaurant brick and mortars. So you look at that thing. Now, my rebuttal to the 50-year bell curve, which I, I think everybody needs to hear, is the salad bar. It has a 50-year window. We're in like year 55 of the salad bar. So you tell me, 
20 years ago where you could find a salad bar. And you could ask, ask me, and this is even pre-COVID, think before COVID, where could you find a salad bar? What, like three places? But 15, 20 years ago, everybody had them. The right. Wendy's on Chapman Highway had a salad bar. <laughs> you know what I mean, so, so and, and again, not to talk negatively about anybody that wants to pursue that dream and that passion, because I know a lot of people are, are chiming in on it and getting into it. Like, just understand that it's not, it's not going to be a 2025, 30 year project. It's going to be a 10, 15 year. And if you get into it and like, you can get into some trucks for like eight grand, like, and it, it's a one man show. You're working by yourself. You set your own hours. Your expectations for yourself are always higher than anybody else's. And man, if you can pump the food out, let's go. But if you're going to staff it, like we do, like, like we we're on it a little bit, but we're not on it as much as we could be because we have all the other projects going on. So, so Paul, let's get back to the financial piece. You said, if I heard you correctly, the food truck has a greater profit margin than the food hall and food halls 100%. have a greater profit margin than uh, a traditional restaurant brick and mortar. Unpack that Absolutely. a little bit. Is it just about the overhead? It's about the overhead. Um, you know, there's only two ways to make more money, which is cut expenses or increase top line sales. Right. Right. Um, so, I mean, there's, I mean, that that's it. There's, there's no other, like, I've not heard one person yet tell me a different way to make more money. <laughs> Those are the only two ways. I like to increase top line sales, me personally. Um, uh, so top line sales on food trucks, let's just, let's just say they're, they're higher, but your costs are so much lower. Like you're not, you're not, you're paying for gasoline and propane and, and that's it because your electricity comes from your generator or you use a plug-in wherever you're parked, you know, your water is the same thing. You just, you put it in a tank or you just plug into somebody else's water. You're not paying rent because you're just there. Mm -hmm. Right. So you, you have all those, those less, you're way less on expenses, which for some people is when I talk about what your happy is, is your quality of life more? Because you can work 25 hours a week in a truck and still do good, still make pretty decent money if you have the right concept and you know all those underlying factors. But let's just say they're all the same, right? And you sell half a million dollars on a truck, half a million dollars in a food hall, half a million dollars in a restaurant. So in a restaurant, you're going to make about 10%. And a food hall standard is about 20, food truck standard is about 40. So it really is doubled up. Are you going to sell half a million dollars in a truck? Probably not. Right. And, and, and that's just, it, it, just because you don't have the space to do it. But you can sell 150000 and still make eighty a year and probably only working in, you know, in Knoxville where we live eight months a year. You know, that's, that's a, and that's a good income and that's a great income for your family and everything like that. And if you're like, man, that's good for me, boom, I'm done. I can work 25 hours a week, make this year and be out. I'm good with it. So Paul, do you see uh, people that are watching this curve that you've alluded to? And I love how you unpack the salad bar um, um, illustration. Do you see people watching this curve on a food truck and they're thinking, Hey, I'm going to do that as a side gig. I'm going to do that as a maybe uh, evening or weekend kind of deal um, 
uh, just because I enjoy the cooking, but also because I believe I can make some extra money. Is it a viable side gig? I think it's a wonderful side gig. Uh, I think it's absolutely viable because if, if, if we get so busy with the expansion of the food halls, we'll shut the truck down. Right. But we'll keep the truck because you can do caterings. You can do, you know, just one or two night, you know, you can just send it out randomly and, you know, things like that. You know, our truck, our specific food truck, it was a hundred thousand dollars. So do you want a hundred thousand dollar side project? You know, or do you want a trailer and be careful which one you get? Because if you, the certain amount, there's certain trailers, you still got to buy, you know, $70,000 truck to tow that trailer. So, you know, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta think about those things. Right. But you know, if you're like, Hey, I just want to make an extra couple of grand a weekend and I'm willing to do it, then you can, um, with the side jobs and the weekend warriors, as we call them, the, the downfall there is that you don't have the through the week sales in case you have waste. If you're throwing away food, then mm. your expenses hit the ceiling again. Um, and, and, and I'm all for it. Like I'm, I'm that person that's like, if you think you can do it and you think your way is the best go, like do it, do it with caution. But you know, if that's what you want to do, please, absolutely. If you've got a great idea and the, and the best, and the best advice I have is actually to keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. And that's something that we learned moving from Lanai to Smash. Lanai had 15 menu items. 15 menu items, like 20 sauces, right? We went to, we went to Smash. Now, we thought our quality of life would be better because the sales would be the same. And we just have less things to make. But our sales tripled. <laughs> and so we're just making three times the amount of like four things now. But we, you know, we handcraft our sauce. Our, all of our all of our sauces that go on everything except ketchup. Don't get me on that. I'll go on a tangent about ketchup. But so now we're only making four sauces as compared to twenty, and then we're just making more of it now. Paul, I want to ask you a question, um, and I want you to speak to entrepreneurs that are listening. Someone who, like you, has a concept, an idea, maybe mm -hmm. a passion or vision, however you would describe it, and they're. Um, you know, uh, sitting there looking at, hey, do I go for it or not? Do I go for it or not? Do I go for it or not? Is there a piece of advice? Is there a metric? Is there something that, hey, check these three things before you launch? Or do you just at some point have to say, hey, man, if you believe in it, you got to go? So I'm, you know, my Enneagram scale, as, as people refer to a lot. Uh, so I'm an eight if you haven't figured that out is, is go for it. Like, because I'm, I'm very much the, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring and don't live with regret. And, and, you know, don't, don't go to your grave saying you wish you would have, you know, because the, what's the worst that's going to happen. I, I mean, and, and that's really where I sit a lot of times is what's the worst that's going to happen it's not going to work. You're going to sell it off. You're going to retain, you're going to recoup some of your assets. You're going to lose a little bit of money and that's true, but you went for it, right? Mm -hmm. The three things that I'd say you look for is one, are you willing, you, you, you're going to take a financial hit if you just go all in all the, at first, it's like any business. You're not going to make money for the first little bit, but you've got to be able to say, Hey, I'm going to do it and I'm going to see it through. One, two, the time of year. 
seasonality is very important. Uh, don't open a food truck in the winter. I, I, I mean, it's it, it's it's pretty pretty simple there. Um, you know, your sales dip when it's cold. It's outside. You have to understand weather patterns. <laughs> Learn to read the weather because rain kills you. Like your business doesn't do well. But the other side of it can be can be both sides, which is how is your family going to deal with it? You know, if you're a single guy or a single girl, different story. Like, hey, you know, you're not. I'm not. You're not talking to anybody about it. But if you're if you're married with children. When I say it's two-sided, because one, everybody can get involved. And that's pretty cool. Like, that's really cool to have everybody involved. Like, we built this together. You know, it's fun. You, you know, it, and make fun of it. And not fun of it, but make, make it into something fun. But secondly, if they're not going to help, right? If they're not going to be involved and you go into it full-time, it is still full-time restaurant hours. It's still 50, 60, sometimes 70 hours a week. And, and that includes, if you're not going to be permanent, you've got to make a schedule. You've got to figure out where to go. You've got to travel there. It, there. There's so much more involved than just a restaurant. Because a restaurant, you go to a location, that's where it's at. These are your set hours. A food truck is dependent on the weather, the location, the travel time, and everything else. There have been some, lo- there have been some things, um, uh, for instance, we're doing an off, we have only four offsites. Now we worked out a permanent deal with our food truck, so we never move, but we have four things that we're doing offsite. Um, uh, a couple of things with our church, which is really easy because it's right up the road, but we got a call from Dollywood and I really had to weigh, like I really did, like are the sales, which are like it's 500 people, right? Are the sales worth the headache? And, and because I know what I'm going to make, right? <laughs> I, I I already know the bottom line on the whole project once, once I've done it. Man, is it worth it? Is it worth 6 a.m. driving up there? Is it worth waiting for it to, to be time? Because we're doing their employee party. Is it worth, you know, having extra staff, you know, uh, is it worth it? Now at the end of it, we decided, yes, it's worth it. <laughs> like we want to do it. Um, but, you know, and that was a lot of factors of branding. Like we can get some photo ops because social media days, you age, you have to have those things, um, you know, and, but also to get our name out because those 500 employees also, I'd say at least part of them live in Knoxville or have friends in Knoxville and they have our product and we haven't opened the food hall yet. And it's an opportunity to advertise. If we had had the food halls open, I probably would have said no, I really would have because it wouldn't have been worth the time and and not, not that they're not worth the time, but the travel time and getting everything together and loading everything up and securing it before we move. There's, there's so much more involved because it's mobile, but it's also so worth it at the same time. Uh, Paul, obviously you're in the Knoxville, Tennessee market. Yep. And um, how would someone um, on on any given day, if someone uh, this evening uh, said, hey, I enjoyed that podcast, I'm going to try out one of these smash burgers. How would they go about finding uh, you? And from a corporate standpoint, how, how does someone contact you so that perhaps uh, their event is one that you would cater as well. So Instagram and Instagram, Facebook, and the website are the biggest ones. 
Um, I would say TikTok, but TikTok is just my own personal. So, um, which we haven't even gotten into that. <laughs> so, um, I'm at a, I'm at a quarter million followers on TikTok right now. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, but Smash Knoxville is the handle for all of that, and it's smashknoxville.com. Awesome. Paul, thank you so much uh, for being on Leadership Upside. Anything else you'd like to add before we close uh, I, it out? I, I will add this. Part of the reason we are so busy is we are expanding to the Omaha, Nebraska area as well in Interrail Food Hall, as well as we will be going into Lyric Food Hall in Houston, Texas in December. And the next year we have a few more slated. But I just kind of wanted to slide that in there really quickly that we are expanding um, and, you know, and we love what we do. I hope you come and see us and see why we're so passionate about everything. What a cool story. Expanding to Nebraska and, and Houston, Texas. Uh, Paul, congratulations on the success of um, uh, Smash Knoxville and, and uh, all that you have going on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leadership Upside, where we discuss what successful leaders in diverse organizations are doing, saying, and thinking. Today, our guest has been Paul Moody. Hope you'll take an opportunity to reach out to Paul and and maybe even have Smash come and and uh, um, cater your event. Paul, thanks again for sharing your experiences and insights. Thank you, sir. Until next time on Leadership Upside, I'm Chuck Carringer. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today. Head over to chuckcarringer.com for more information.